This is new classical tracks from listener-supported American Public Media. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing that you can do for this show is to tell somebody else about it. Help spread the word. Then take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. I talked with guitarist Milos recently about his new recording, Baroque. It was really fascinating to hear him talk about how he was trying to discover his own voice in this repertoire. How do you do that when Baroque music really wasn't written for the guitar? Well, he said he had to be really vulnerable. And you'll find out more about how he was able to do that to bring this recording to life. It's called Baroque with Miloš. It's new classical tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher. You have recently opened a new chapter in your life. You turned 40. You're working with new people on a new label, and you just released your first Baroque recording. How does it feel to begin this new chapter? It feels real. It feels right. It feels like uh, the next chapter. And I'm curious what I'm going to discover. I'm excited about what I'm going to discover. Because as years go by, you learn more about yourself. You learn who you are. And you learn what matters to you. Um, and that's the sort of currency you want to live life by. And when something feels right, it is right. And right now, things really do feel like they are happening for a reason. This music has definitely allowed me to discover new things, to be open and vulnerable at the same time, um it's just been a process that artistically and on every other level has given me new oxygen. And that's a feeling like no other. How is this music allowing you to be vulnerable? As a classical guitarist, tapping into the world of Baroque is not obvious. Guitar in the Baroque context exists um, in a sort of formulated way of composers and pieces that work and that have been done and that we study. And, and you know, it's been very much in my uh, mind and in my process uh, as a student and beyond. And I mean, there has never been, almost never been a recital that I've played where there wasn't some Bach or Scarlatti or something like that. But, but never to this extent. And part of the reason for that is that you have to be prepared to be vulnerable because you're playing a modern instrument and this is a different concept. It's a different world that you have to discover. And in the beginning of, of the process, when I was mapping out what areas and what pieces and what I was going to do here, um, first of all, I was leaving Bach alone completely. I thought that has to go in a completely different project. 
And I thought, what is the music that I as a listener love and I'm excited about? What is it that I love listening to sang or played by my heroes on other instruments, on, on, on the voice? And why can I not in the same way like I, I, I did with other repertoire in the past, bring that to the world of the guitar, with the classical guitar, the modern guitar, the romantic guitar? Um, but you're trying to do that with your sound, with your ideas, with your preconceived ideas of, of your own artistry. And, um, and in the beginning, I thought, in order to do this right, maybe I need to change something. Maybe there's something in my sound or in my technique or that, that I have to adjust to be more bright or, or more sparkly or, or I don't know. And at the end of that, that uh, process of, of months of search, um, where you are searching for your own Baroque voice. I realized that I'm only going to ever find my own Baroque voice if I stick to my voice and if I stick to who I am, because without that, it wouldn't be true. It wouldn't be real. But because you went through the whole hurdle of that process, through all the hurdles of that process, where you were vulnerable and where you were exposed in the most organic, um, truthful way, you inevitably uh, change in the nicest way possible. So that's added uh, a new layer to my life and, and it's something that I, I'm thrilled about. How were you able to maintain your authentic voice through the music of Baroque, which wasn't written originally for guitar. So you were taking an instrument not from that era and trying to um, transcribe these pieces, which you did very well, you and your friends and colleagues. And then you wanted to maintain you and who you are authentically. How were you able to do that? Well, I think you are you no matter what. And that's something that, yes, you can challenge, but you never question. Then colleagues come in in a very, very important place because without the mechanism of support around you, um, and I've had that in, uh, in buckets uh, by, with Michael Lewin, with um, Johnny Cohen, with Arcangelo, with um, my producer. Um, this is where you really uh, build your support mechanism in a context where it's a conversation, it's an exchange of ideas. It's, it's such a wonderful process that if I was recording the repertoire that I'm known for or that, I, that is familiar to me that you wouldn't have. And, and for that reason, it becomes even more valuable to have uh, that conversation with others, especially when it comes to the artistic choices you are making with someone who knows this period inside out, like Johnny does. And in every rehearsal, when I was bringing the material, we would, we would shift that understanding closer and we would arrive to the point of understanding together because we had an endless trust and place of non-judgment for what we were doing. By no means was I asking of Johnny to do the obvious. I think it was the most, probably uh, the most unusual thing to do it with the modern guitar. Also, 
uh, when it comes to the, the pitch we were using, we were of course in modern pitch because guitar would sound really, really awkward and lose all its intensity in the Baroque pitch. Um, also, uh, when you put the period instruments that have got strings to that pitch, they sound different. And also in the studio, you, you play a take and then you do a second take and they never sound the same. They're always improvising around that. It's never the same. And actually, um, I work hours and days and, and months to, to make sure that what I'm going to give in the studio is within such a framework of, of, of ideas and constructions that it's going to work exactly this way, exactly at this time. And it's this sort of, suddenly someone breaks that glass wall for you and and you you're exposed and again as i said vulnerable and you learn so much about yourself like that i want to ask you about the baroque artists who have inspired you i know you've mentioned cecilia bartoli and her technique, her bravura, how has she inspired you? Very much so, because I am obsessed with human voice. That's the ideal instrument. And if you have someone like Cecilia Bartoli or Filippia Ruski or Franco Fagioli, you, you, you go into this world that is just intoxicating. Equally with instrumentalists like Carmignola, Barocchisti, it's, it's so fantastic. But also, it's not all about the bravura, it's about the contrasts, the ups and downs, the shades, the darkness, the light, the, the legato line which, which almost speaks the language of your soul in that moment. breaks you in this magical way into million pieces. Um, and I wanted to see, could I bring that to, to what I was doing? Uh, and, and, and seeing and finding a way through that was um, interesting, but not without complexities, because uh, you realize that certain things just don't work. And if they don't work, it's not worth doing the transcription because then you are compromising it. You are not staying true to what it's supposed to say. Um, and that's the responsibility you should never take lightly. You should only do a transcription if it adds value to what's already there. If it gives it another shade, another color, um, and that's what I wanted to do here. And many pieces were trial and error and didn't make it to the album. But then you hear the Ramo, the Handel, Cupron, Samscalati, that's on the album, the Vivaldi concertos that we transcribed in the style of the guitar concerto from four solo violins, things like that. It works. And when it works, you just know. 
and you follow that feeling. It's like a gut feeling. And the gut feeling is most important. It's, it's after all the second brain. So like, you know, it feels right. of this recording is a piece that you've had under your fingers for many years, and initially you didn't think you were going to put it on this recording. It's the Chaconne from Bach's Partita Number no. 2 in D major, and I love how you have referred to this as the sun. It's the sun, the center of this recording. Tell me about how this ended up as the sun. I found the planets before I found the sun. I thought Bach will sit on its own in a different project, on a different album. I was more excited about finding out things I didn't know, only to in the end realize that it only makes sense with the things I did know, because Bach is the beginning and the end. Everything that followed after Bach is part of the same trajectory, of the same road, journey, for the whole of the Western music. Bach is even in Beatles' Blackbird. It's in so much of the music without you realizing. I was even debating, is the pattern of Asturias a bit like Bach Toccata on, a, on an organ? It's just footwork. It just feels connected to that. It's, it's in everything. And... Um, when I finished recording and, and towards the end, I just felt like there, there needed to be a sense of gravity. And, and boy, does that piece not have gravity. It just suddenly everything made sense. When I finished recording it, when, when I played the last chord, when I was listening back to the takes, I just felt it was like the start, the end, and it just matched. And it was a great, great feeling. What makes the Chaconne such a great work? You have said it's probably the greatest work. Why? The Chaconne is so iconic because on the conscious and subconscious level, it tells a story of a human life. And there is, there is no way you are not going to feel that in one way or the other, as a listener or as a performer. Bach wrote this piece after the passing of his first wife with this idea that it encompasses a whole journey, one person's life journey. And yes, all our journeys are different. We are all on this earth with a different journey. But the underlying purpose of that journey is the same. It's a journey of discovery. And this piece is always a journey of discovery. It follows you through your whole life. You never learn it. You never stop with it. If you evolve with it in the same way like you evolve through your life. And uh, I don't know another piece that is like that. Chacon now. 
ignorance. <laughs> Because I didn't plan on it. It came in as, a, as an idea of a sort of a gut-wrenching feeling at three in the morning that something was missing. And I just followed on that idea and went for it, recorded it. And I'm so lucky that that's how it happened because I think if, if I went into the whole process thinking I have to make my version of the Chacon, that, that makes it come in from the wrong angle. Because when you play a piece like that, it's not about you, it's about what you have to say about the conversation you have with it, what, what that you are trying to share with the people that are listening to it. And, and nothing should be on the way to that. Because then you are ruining the essence of, of, of music and the meaning. And that meaning has never, ever been more important than today. When you said ignorance, the first thing I thought of was ignorance is bliss. 100%. And very often in my life, ignorance was bliss because all of those um, impossible missions that through my life I was <laughs> enduring um, uh, happened as a result of that brave naivety that I never want to lose because that is the sort of inner child and that inner child is, is what it's all about. And too often that does get lost, you're right. You studied with Michael Lewin, the British guitarist and lutenist at the Royal Academy of Music in London. I think you started studying with him when you were 17, so it's been a long time. And you've maintained that relationship over the years. And I believe the two of you worked on several pieces on this recording, including the Chaconne. Is that right? Uh, I worked with Michael um, first as a student when I came completely green uh, and uh, inexperienced from Montenegro, like landing on Mars in London. Um, and Michael was such an incredible guide, father figure, teacher, mentor, a voice of reason and comfort at times, and also a person that made me believe in myself more than anyone else. I remember so well that when I was about four, three, four years into my studies, I was, I performed the piece in public and it was this wonderful sonata of Alberto Ginastera, which I loved performing at the time. And after I finished playing, he came to me and in the very sort of British, subdued way uh, that he has, um, he said, Milos, you're ready. And I knew that that was the moment where I could now start building it on different uh, means. And then when I was uh, recording my first album, when I started touring the world and so on, I, I kind of felt that um, this is now a new, new field. It's something that I can't really learn from anyone because nobody really was doing it who was anywhere near me and I had to discover it and, and have all of my ups and downs and, and, and to really, really grow as a person and as a musician through all those ups and downs, even though at times it wasn't easy. It was sometimes terrifyingly complex. Um, but that, that 
education and, and values that, that were embedded inside me from all those years of studying with Michael evolved into that relationship in a different way, in, in, in a way where we became more equal, where we uh, exchange ideas on different uh, terms now. And uh, whenever there is an idea that I need to run by someone or uh, a piece that I'm thinking about playing or so on, I always call him first because no one knows me better. No one knows my, my fingers better. No one knows what I'm capable of doing better than he does. And, and that's why that, that relationship is very important to me and it remains um, an important one in the artistic process, like, which was like recording this album. past I worked with other people too and, and, and they also bring other things to the table and, and, and this, is, this is important but, but when, I, when I work with Michael it's really like uh, we are on the same page we, we are the same process and it's the same, same school of thought with the Chacon I play my own version really because I, I, I rely on on his idea as a student, and that was a long time ago now. I don't want to tell you how long, because, you know, it's like been a while. Um, but uh, now when, when I'm trying out something, and I, I always like to play in front of him, and then it's just a, even if he doesn't say anything, it feels like, okay, I, I can now do it anywhere else. There's a sense of uh, respect that is grand. guitarist Milos and his new recording, Baroque. Thanks to Valerie Kaler. She's our producer for new classical tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher.